yeah, it's been a rough, rough week at uh, work. The uh, I've had some had pretty tough go of it in terms of I have worked two days past my shift, which means I get two days to explain to my boss next week what I'm doing. But the only advantage, I have to explain every every piece of overtime I get. Don't they tell you you have to be over overtime? Like you don't just say, hey, I think I'm going to go into work today. Well, no. So if I go over my eight hours, oh, I'm required to explain like, okay, so you were 15 minutes over. What were you doing? Got it. You were 30 minutes over. Like today on a Saturday, I was over 30 minutes. I have to explain myself. Such, it's just the so BS, COVID, COVID crunch, money issues. And I get it. You know, they're trying to watch the bottom dollar, but do you think I really want to stay there on my Friday afternoon? <laughs> right. The nice thing is my boss will be like, yeah, Dave, I know you don't normally like overtime. Yeah, just look <laughs> at my history. Just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, anyways, it's been – and then the Muni this week. Oh, my God. Uh, dude, I'm – I'm COVID over. Into, that's turned into a four-letter word. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Muni, four-letter word. Yeah, there you uh, go. Dude. Yeah, I heard some stories today. Um, well, yeah, the, the mayor's swinging it around trying to make everyone do what he wants to do. Yep. So, and now we're back. He's calling it the, what did he call it? It's not hunker down. Re- reset. Reset. Cause he doesn't want to call it hunker down. Cause that has no, a negative. Kind of, everyone get pissed. Negative. He says, we're going back to hunker down. Like, Screw you. But like, if he says, well, we're going to reset because you know, the, the first time didn't go so well. I think the second time is going to go so well. You keep everyone isolated. The funny part about this is not so much the fact that, okay, so he wants to reset. There's a great, uh, there's a great Alaskan experiment going on here when it comes to COVID. And I'll be curious as a medical professional to see how it works out. You ready for this? Sure. What's the difference between the Muni and the Valley? Because oh, the, the state. Mat, well, well yep. but, but just the Matsu, because they are like sure. proximity to us. They're our back, you're our next door neighbor, so to speak. And they, so a coworker of mine said she went out to the Valley last night or the night before, have dinner with family. Mm-hmm. No big sure. deal. And she walks in with her mask on, like, cause it's automatic for her anymore. And she realized she's mm-hmm. the only one with a mask on and kind of looked around like, Oh, so they're like looking at her like, are you from Anchorage or are you just one of those? Cause Valley's, you know, yeah. they're a little more anti-masker out there. And whether you agree or disagree is all another topic, but it, it, so, but that's the, theme out there if you will and so (laughs) she got some dirty looks yeah uh i don't i'm so just i'm frustrated with this whole thing it's just the i don't even know why i think it's the same stuff you said over and over and over again and you're just so frustrated with seeing the same crap over and over and over again with him it's like or with the municipality it's just do you ever, it's, it's like dealing with, we, we both have kids now that are, you know, knocking on 10 years old, 11, mm-hmm. 10, 11, yeah. something like that. I mean, they're getting to where they're, they're old enough to where they're minding their manners and doing these things, but it's almost like dealing with a toddler. Like I am tired of telling you to put your pants on. I'm tired of telling you to it, it, put your toys away. I'm tired of. But it's like trying to tell a toddler who's trying to tell you something. Right. You know, it's like he's. 
the, the thought is, is, well, you're not doing this the way I want it. So I'm going to force you to do it. Yeah. What, what, what do you have to back that up? That Why is that such a, an issue? Why do you need to do that? Because on a power trip. Why? Because, well, because the hospitals might fill up. Well, they haven't before. They haven't yet. I can understand. I'll just say this because I'm in the hospital industry and so I can't say too much. I can mm-hmm. understand the concerns that are out there. I can understand and I can understand the why of being concerned about the hospital capacity. Sure. However, nothing says that every Tom, Dick, and Harry, every swing and schlong out there needs to come into Anchorage because they got a little sniffle and they're COVID positive. Well, and the other thing is, is the whole hunker down was so we could build up our hospital resources so we could make sure we have enough vents to turn extra rooms into, into ICU beds to do all those things, right? Well, so here's the thing. I can tell you for a fact what our hospital's done, and we have turned one, two, three, four. Well, no, it's more than that. We've turned pods on two west, we've turned one, two, three whole extra wings into negative pressure rooms. Plus on the and fourth floor. So my point is say, when you say wings, you're talking them like how many? I mean it's like nine, ten beds a pop. Okay. There per wing. Go. Yep. So we've got a whole bunch of wings that are like, and if we had to, we would actually say this whole floor is a COVID floor sure. and be done with it. The other thing that people don't realize is the Alaska Airlines Center, we set that up. Is still set up for it. It's collecting dust, but yes. Sure. But even at the very extreme, let's say you had 20 people come in COVID that needed a vent. Could you handle that? Yes. Could you handle the other uh, 20 right now? They would have to push out to other rooms. It would be. It doesn't matter about rooms because let's face it. A room does not make an ICU room. No, but I'm just thinking about in terms of. It would be you challenge. Have- it would be do you challenging. Have, do, you, do you have the vents? We have the vents, yes. Do you have the staffing that you could pull in to do it? It would be challenging. But you, you we could we could make it happen. The point yeah. is, yeah, yeah, we could make it happen. There's the enough of us. The equipment is there. There's enough of us old ER nurses floating around, old ICU nurses sure. floating around. They can pull off the case management team, and for example, and sure, and let's. <laughs> Excuse me, I, have let's, Marona's. I hear that. And let's say it hits the fan and you got to go to the flight crews and all those other groups that do vents all the time and say, we need you to come stand by a, a, a thing and manage a vent. Well, and they actually have, they, they have a whole contingency in place where they won't use the flight crews. Sure. They'll leave them alone. But it would be. I'm, a, I'm, I'm saying like it hits the fan like, oh, crap. We, so they don't, we legit don't have nurses. Like there is other resources out there as, as someone who thinks emergency management, you go to the nth degree of how are we going to manage this? Not right. we got to shut stuff down so we don't have to manage it. Well, no, no. So they actually have thought about that and actually have a good plan in place at Providence. I will give them credit for that. And where they actually have ICU nurses act more like charge nurses over. Sure. And so they teach the, the lesser qualified nurse, the med surge nurse, if you will, the basics about the vent and then they float around between 10 patients. And, and my point to was when that gets overrun, you still have resources. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's not like, it's not like when you get to that point, you're screwed. It's like, okay, when that plan is done, there's another plan. And then there's another, you just pivot to the next thing. Right. Right. We got, not, we got lots. Yeah. 
yeah, not freak out and say, we're going to, everyone's, yeah, whatever. So hold on. <laughs> computer decided it wants to do something dumb. <coughs> Welcome to computers. There. But yeah, so I don't know how we got on that. Anyways, majestic but, rabbit trail. Yeah, and the yeah yeah it it's COVID season and it's gonna cause us no end of issues. You know, you're in the medical field when you call something like that a season. Yeah. Flu season, RSV season, COVID season. Yeah, well, it's true. <sighs> yeah, it's it's the word I'm looking for. I'm over it, so now we're having to mask up in the hospitals. We've got a shield. I'm, I've got a blast shield that I wear yeah. at, when I come into contact with patients. And it's so I, if you can imagine this, Brandon, imagine your grandfather. You remember he was hard of hearing, right? Mm-hmm. And I've got to talk to him. Well, he's a slightly demented, right? Let's just, you know, take back when he was still in the good old days, right? And I've got to talk to him through a mask and a plastic shield. Can you imagine yeah. how my day has been going? It's, yeah. <laughs> I'm yelling at people, and they don't yeah. understand the words that are coming out of my mouth. Yeah, well. Things fogged up so they can't tell who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't have to deal with that, but, you know. Different problems and different problems, just different ends of the spectrum with it. And yeah, well, but I'm we all very, have... very glad I don't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah. So. And, and I'm, and I'm glad I'm not at the bedside anymore. I don't, I can always escape to my office and pull my mask off and pull my blast shield off and go, Oh my mm. God, that sucks. But mm. it does for me, I kind of go, but what's it like to sit in your stand with a face mask on? So, I mean, many guys don't wear anything when they're in the stand. But I think about, hey, would, would my success rate go up if I had a full face, like just my mm. eyes were exposed and I had that over my mouth to like control my facial, like so a that, camo. Funny about that. I know we've talked about this a little bit, but, uh, you know, friends of ours gone out hunting and they were, we talked about riding your four-wheeler up to a moose. Did we talk about this on the podcast? I think you mentioned it or we've talked about it. Yeah. I know we've talked about it. I can't remember. So anyway, <coughs> hit, it, hit it again. Hit it again. Refresh it. So uh, some friends of ours were out hunting last year and they came across a, a camp, another camp out there and a whole bunch of Russian Orthodox guys that are just like, they've set this camp up in the middle of nowhere. And I mean, they got like wall tents and barrels and just, I mean, they'll bring 55 gallon drums of fuel out there, like legit camp. They'll be out there for uh, the whole season, almost getting their animals. Well, he was talking to one of them, and uh, somehow this came up of, well, when you see your moose, you just you run. We, we sit up on these hills. You see the moose. You run down the trails towards the moose. Don't get off your four-wheeler. Just get inside of, you know, 50 to 25 yards. No, not even that. 50 to 25 yards. Stand up on your four-wheeler and shoot the moose. And he's like, they won't go anywhere? Like, I feel like, he's like, no. As soon as you step off the quad, now you're a predator mm. before that you're just something they don't know what it is and they're looking at you they're trying to figure out what this is and they're slightly curious we've noticed yeah. this as a matter of fact when we were out looking for bear stands remember that moose we saw and mm. he's going to be a shooter this fall i think mm. based on the timing if not he'd be fairly close i would think i'm going to give him a year to two years okay but he's he's getting close to a shooter oh yeah 
And he was, we stood there and just kind of watched him for the longest time. He just kind of watched us. And then he just kind of moseyed away. He didn't, I mean, he didn't bolt away like a deer would. Mm-hmm. He just kind of, well, I'm getting a little nervous and uh, I don't like you frogs over there. And yeah, uh, uh, I'm out. It would have been very curious to see what happens if we had stepped off the quad. Yeah. So now here's my, here's the thought. So w- predators eyes forward, right? Right. Um, prey eyes to the side. Mm-hmm. So when we step off of a quad, all of a sudden we are eyes forward creature versus this big weird thing that they can't quite put their hands on. So if you are able to break your face up enough that they smell something weird, but they don't see that eyes forward mm-hmm. on a face, would that help? Yeah, I hear that from my side too. That's a chopper going by there. Uh, mm-hmm. They've been doing a lot of military maneuvers lately. Mm-hmm. And they like to go right over the, home, the house here. So mm-hmm. They go right between ours. We got about a mile between our houses. Mile yeah, about half. that. Yeah. So, yeah. And, the, yeah, they start off coming on off our side. They tend to head towards your side and then go down towards base. But, anyways, we digress. But I would think that if we could get rid of, like, the eyes or and almost, like, have, like, black spots on the side of your hat, I wonder mm-hmm. if that wouldn't be enough to work. Or white spots. Yeah. Or white spots, yeah. Black hat with white spots. Yeah. Hmm. So, if you had, like, sunglasses essentially that were non-reflective mm-hmm. and you had face shield covering mm-hmm. and you put on little like yeah just little white dots so it's like uh i've been watching the show lost on uh, i forget which channel i watch it on uh like netflix and sure hulu and all that stuff right but uh i want to say it's discovery because it's a very discovery type show um but they take 10 contestants and they go put them out oh i remember that show yeah yeah from a while ago yeah yeah originally it's yeah well it's been a while i mean they're like 10 seasons in or something like that anyway um a good chunk of it like the first couple seasons were on vancouver island and vancouver has cougars Mm. right so almost a good chunk of the contestants (laughs) good chunk of the contestants would walk around with a hat with eyes sewn to the back of it because Mm. Cougars attack from the back. So if they see eyes, they're not going to attack. They're going to try and maneuver till they can get to the, the front of you. Have I ever told you what time I was stalked by a cat before? I believe you have, but I don't know if you've ever said it on this here podcast. So yeah. I, was, I was in Wyoming at the time working for my uncle and had the day off. And north of uh, the Big Creek Canyon, there's a cabin up there where the gates like, have like a 99-year lease. And the 99-year lease, they, we have to go up and just kind of clean it up for the way to go up there, clean it up. And it's beautiful fishing back up in there, but it's kind of mm-hmm. off limits. There's really no good reason for us to be up there to fish it. But if we're up yeah. there, we're allowed to fish it kind of thing. So we went up there mm-hmm. and we went on a Saturday because we only worked half days on Saturdays. And so half after we had our lunch and then we just walked up the trail that's up there. And on the way back, as we're fishing, sitting there, and my buddy was with me and he's probably 10, 15 yards down the river and he kind of looked at me and he, I kind of looked at him. We both kind of looked at each other at the exact same time with that. You, you, you feeling something weird? Like we both had that kind of weird feeling and we kind of started looking around like, you know, the hair on the back of your neck kind of stood up. And that's when mm-hmm. we realized there was a cat sitting there on the side watching us. Hmm. So we skirted across the kind of down river at first thinking, well, maybe if we just keep on going down river, just see what it does. And it just kind of kept pace with us. 
And in this part of Wyoming, there's no officially, there's no brown bears. There's some wolves, mostly coyotes for predators, some black bears, nothing you'd really worry about. And mm-hmm. most of the cats are usually, they won't even mess with a human being. Yeah. And so, because they run them with dogs there. So, it, it was, so this cat kind of followed us down. We're like going, oh my God, this is good. And of course, our, he has a seven millimeter and I haven't got my 300 in the truck back to the cabin. Wise, so they, wise move right there. Well, but it's middle of, summer, <laughs> I mean, middle of a broad, hot summer day. You know what I mean? The cat should be asleep. Like we didn't think anything of it. And so as so we crossed the river in a spot where we thought we could get across and so we got across just fine, but it was a little sketchy and just some like rubber uh, hip, hip boots. And it followed us all the way back to the truck, following us on the other side of the river, waiting for its opportunity. We got back to the truck and said, okay, time to go. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, hair on the back of your neck stands up. You know, you went from predator to prey instantaneously. Like it was just, Mm. there was something about it. It's just that weird, uneasy feeling. It just, yeah. That, so cats are always kind of interested me on that particular fact because, okay, bear, normally bear maulings are you stumble across their food. Mm -hmm. Right. Or you got tangled up with a mama and, you know, sow and cubs. Mm hmm. Or you surprise them. That's 95% of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I talked to troopers. They, uh, they had to go get a uh, investigate a, a fatal mauling out in, I think, Katmai out, you know, on, uh, <coughs> whew. yeah. <coughs> Ugh. That Rona, man. Mm. Yeah, they had to go investigate a, a fatal mauling over, I think, in the Katmai area the trooper said when he got off the plane and started walking into where this camp was, where the, 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 mm-hmm. the person's camp was, he says he could tell he was no longer top of the food chain. Mm-hmm. And it's a weird just, there's feeling that, that feeling that, yeah. So like, that's not a, it's not a, a normal thing with bears though. Right. And from what I've, but I've never done cats, never been around cats, never had any been in cat country before. So, but like bears, when you talk about hunting bears, people hunt, going out bear hunting, a lot of times it's, well, you just kind of find them wandering along and Blast find them. the one that you want. Find the one you want. You get up high on the hills and wait for them to, you know, come wandering through. Most cats, when you are hunting them, are run with dogs. Successful cat hunters. Sure. And so you, sure. you but, cut a track and go, but... Well, you hear so many stories of like you never see cats, you never see cats, right? Like they're rarely. very you don't you, you rarely see them, and you know even when you're hunting them, it's really hard to find them. That's why you have to use the dogs to actually run them. Because mm-hmm. if you're gonna do it any other way, it's almost impossible to do, right? I'm I'm going off of just what I've heard like- and read. Yeah, all I can say is that every guy that I know that successfully gets cats on even a semi-regular basis runs a, runs a dog team or runs a couple, a few, few, you know, half a dozen dogs. I've never heard of guys consistently getting them over just going out and trying to cut a track on their own. I mean, and the interesting yeah. thing about cats is they're blending in so well with their environment. You think of like a house cat, how it lays around. They're definitely ambush predators. and They're kind of like gators but they're not as prolific. Like everybody goes, Oh, gators like down South, you see them all the time. Well, it's because they're in one specific location, but when you're in the Hills, there's so much rocks to hide behind. And when they get up, they silently move through the woods. And so you never see them and they hear you coming and they 
A lot of times they wander off before you even get a chance mm. to see them. So. And that's where I kind of wonder, like, what, it, it's weird that all of a sudden you'll have, you'll hear a story of a cat doing that. It's like, Usually it's where does that, where's the change? Because so I feel you, like, especially in a place where man runs dogs so much and in that area, if usually, they're hunted. Usually either they're old and or sick and they're very, very hungry and they're willing to take the risk. That's what gets most cats to. So like there's that guy I remember reading up on it was in Colorado. He had a cat try and jump, jump at his kid. Maybe it was at his dog and he defended the, the, the dog or the kid with a pocket knife and killed it with like his basic, you know, Swiss army knife kind of thing. And then, you know, it sounds yeah. really cool. You kind of go, Oh, this big raging cat. And you kind of, but when you back up and you actually this story, they say, no, actually it was really actually a sick cat and it probably didn't have much strength left. Still very scary. Still a lot of teeth and sharp claws, still a really cool thing, mm. but not the top alpha apex predator like a full-grown cat that's in its prime. And so usually these cats, when they do things like gotcha. this, they're outside their prime for some reason. And so they're trying just to put food on the table, mm. so to speak. And that's when they make a mistake, and that's when Got you it. see them. Hmm. So it really doesn't have anything to do with like the position you're uh, – you're presenting Mm-mm. it's not like i'm coming out of it in a you know weak position or whatever else that hmm. interesting at least not the mountain lions in north america now in other parts there's other cats where they actually prey on humans because they're it's considered because we match up with other foods in areas like the tigers and um like sure um and, and they use yeah. the same kind of an approach and that's because we live very similar to some of their other food items in the area and so that's why they do some of those tricks of like eyes to the back of the head and things like that. But North America, mm-hmm. no, they're just, you're dealing with the old and the sick. Hmm. But anyways. Interesting. Yeah. Good times. They're different. They're hmm. definitely a different animal to hunt. A lot of guys actually don't, you don't carry a big rifle with you. It's just like a 22, 222, 250 or yeah. a 223. They got thin skin and you just, you're plugging them out of the tree and they fall on you practically. Yep. And you, what you oh, don't want to fall on you and don't take off. Well, the biggest thing you don't want to do is you don't want to have the, the cat try and make a jump from tree to tree and miss. And then the dogs get around it and circle it. And then you can't take a shot without potentially missing and hitting your dog. Mm. Because it, yeah. it, yes, yes, you corner the cat in the tree. Right. And that's cool. And then you take, take your shot. Cause you can, right. You can line up your good shot. You can make a good solid ethical shot versus on the ground. They'll also, now they have the animals all around them barking and snapping and snarling. So they're moving with much more aggression and quicker trying to avoid getting snipped at by the dogs and everything's moving so fast that you can miss and hit one of your own dogs or make an unethical shot, which mm. again, causes you problems. So, so you, you hope, you, you hope it's a little bit of a little bit of a rabbit trail. Um, but you know, have you seen the people that will hunt boar with dogs and nothing more than a knife? I have not, but it sounds mildly entertaining from a redneck point of view. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> so they got they'll get their dogs, and I mean they're they're using they're using like uh, Great Danes and like big, big freaking dogs because they're not running long distances with these dogs. They're just kind of like go out to a field and there's pigs over there. Go get them. Mm. So it's not like cat dogs where they're 
or bear dogs where they're running miles and miles and miles and miles. They're just across the field. So you get these big dogs, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, big, some real big dogs, some real quick dogs, and they'll, they'll tear off after a field. And these dogs will essentially just pin that pig kind of like you do with a cat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just surround that thing, start biting on this thing and pull it down. Well, now the people come running up behind their dogs and they get up like a big old Bowie knife. I'm talking like a 12 to 13 inch blade Bowie knife. It's like a crocodile Dundee knife. Dude. Yeah. And essentially (laughs) as these, yeah, as, uh, as these dogs are kind of pinning these pigs, the team, the group of hunters come up and one or two of them will grab the back feet of this pig, pull the back feet, which drops the pig. And the person with the knife goes in right behind that front shoulder blade and just goes right in long heart Mm, and just push, pull out pigs done. Interesting. Can you talk about an adrenaline rush? (laughs) (laughs) And either. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah. I'll stick to my right. You got some stones to do that. Yeah. I was going to say there's some, there's a brass set there. There is a, uh, you know, it's like that pill. I'm sure you've seen it going around the internet, being in the medical field. Those pills called grow a set. It's a mm. joke. You know, mm. you're supposed to, you know, yep. supposed to be able to yep. grow a yep. set. Yep. Don't think they need yep. it. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure they invented it. Yeah. The intestinal. I'm pretty sure. So it was a, a, a video I saw of this because obviously I wasn't down in Texas doing this with them, but it was actually, it was a lady who did it. Well, my she was the is, one going in with the knife. My question is, is the special forces guys, do they do this for fun? Because this sounds very special forces-esque, just to say they did it. Or Texas. Well, this is Texas, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it is Texas. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Let's face it, if we had pigs in Alaska, we'd be doing the same dang thing. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But our, our stuff in Alaska is just a little too big to run with a dog, make it work and grab it by its hind hind legs and kill it with a knife. Let's just face it. Yeah. You're going to get either trampled, kicked, stomped something. Yeah. It it just ain't going to happen. So yeah, it sounds a little big and badass, but let's face it. You grab a pig's hind end and it falls right down. It's totally different situation than what we have up here. Mm -hmm. Yep. So get on you, Texas looks cool, but Still saying we got to the Trump card with the, the size. <laughs> well, you know, if you split Alaska in half, it's still the third, Texas. still the third largest state, Texas. Anyways, we digress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. But so anyway, you sent me an interesting little article today. Yeah. So I was at work and I was on my break. So let's let, let's start this out with uh, last last what was it Friday? For what? Monday. Monday. Last Monday. Yeah, Monday. We went out dip netting. So Monday we went out dip netting. So I know we talked about you going down to the Kenai uh, or Seeloff, sorry, uh, and you did your thing down there, and uh, well, didn't didn't work out quite like yeah. you wanted with the numbers. So um, every fi- so often, the state of Alaska. What? Go ahead. I was gonna say, go ahead. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> This stinking delay on here, man, is just killing us today. <laughs> so the state of Alaska, every so often when uh, when they reach an escapement number, which is the number of fish they need to go up a river to sustain the run for next the next year, 
when they hit their escapement number on a little creek, and I, I do mean creek, called Fish Creek in the Matsu Valley, they will open the mouth of the Fish Creek up to dip netters. It's and like a, uh, yeah, quarter half mile, something like that, of fishing grounds, if you will. Mm-hmm. Sure. And it's fifty feet across that creek. 60? No, not not even. From bank to bank, right where we see that kid catch all those fish. I'll bet from you from like where you were standing, where you were standing on top of the creek when right it's when high I tide. tide across. I'll bet you it, it's no more than fifty feet. Well, because you got a twenty-five foot pole, right? A twenty-foot pole, right? Mm, yeah, something like that. So you're fishing with a twenty-foot pole, and at high tide, you were going maybe a quarter of the way across. Mm, third, but yeah, okay. I mean, it's it's not so, very. I mean, it's it's yeah, right. Arguing yeah, over pennies, pennies, here. yeah. <laughs> so um, it's it's not not a big creek, and when it's at low tide, the bank at the most is probably a, a you know a 10 foot bank right something like that like it's it's not very deep but it's just soggy just just silty soupy mud there's a lot of s's in that <laughs> just yes, just mucky so mucky um i and, just uh, on it real quick it's saying 100 ish feet eh, yeah somewhere in there yeah okay so I guess where we were is a little narrower, but yeah, in the, in the, yeah, no more than a hundred feet across at high tide. I mean, when you're down to low tide, it's like 25 foot across that Creek. Yeah. Maybe 30. Like, so yeah, not a big Creek. And it runs no more um, than mid shin deep on you at low tide when it's yeah. At low tide. So it's, it's a, it's a Creek Creek, uh, but the tidal zone of it, will push into probably 30 foot deep mm -hmm. so yeah it's a it's 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 not as big and crazy as you know the Kenai or the Kasilov, but man that creek will just pack full of people covered in glacier silty nastiness because I mean you'll be standing there and all of a sudden you're just the kid next to you is there standing in there and he's up to his mid shins and and muck in about five minutes he's like well crap I'm stuck <laughs> oh <laughs> Well, the nice thing is where you're at. If you keep your nose, will stay above water. So don't move. <laughs> exactly. You know, don't get any deeper, dude. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so uh, we went out there and battled the mud, battled the, the the interesting folks that are out there. And there are some interesting folks out there. Yes. Yes, it is, there uh, are. Now, yeah. real quick. Now, the funny part is, so most of us caught between, probably say, two and maybe eight fish max out there. But that kid had a honey hole directly across from us, just the way it worked out with the way the, well, the angle of the water. And true. The, here's the thing. It was just humorous to me that that, that cooler was full when they left. Like everybody else's wall. Mm. I mean, it was all legit. Like they weren't like, I don't feel, personally, I don't mm. see anything. I didn't see anything. I don't feel like they did anything wrong with the way they were doing anything. They mm. just were in the right spot, the right time, and they cleaned up. I mean, straight cleaned up. Now, the one thing that I did notice about that is they were using Mike's welding nets. So actually the company in Sterling's. So the mom was, but that kid with the yellow vest that was whacking them the whole time. Yeah. But he was, no, the mom was whacking them. He was to say, but he had the same net. I've he, got. he did. A, he, but when it slowed down. Yeah. When nobody was catching fish, 
And that's, that's what I look at. Like when nobody else is catching fish and there's the one or twos popping up, what are they using? What are mm-hmm. they doing? Because when everyone's catching fish and you're catching fish, you can't say, oh, well, I did something different because everyone's catching fish. Right? You just, <coughs> right. You just put a net in the water and they swam. And was, but when nobody else is catching fish and the mom was catching fish consistently, mm-hmm. she, had a, she had a Mike's net. That's true. She did. But so anyways. I found out something. I found out something about those nets. Hmm. Those those nets are going to go off on a rabbit trail here. So those nets are oblong. So they mm-hmm. they kind of have that diamond shape to them, right? Um, instead of the round tube. Well, mm-hmm. inside of those are two tubes. So there's two hollow spaces in there. No, it's not a solid net. Yeah. So anyway. So yeah, off on that little one of rabbit trail. But yeah, so uh, we came out of there with what like two fish. Yeah, and just covered in muck and nastiness, and and then watched the old boy tear up his truck on the way out, and oh, yeah. his, oh, that was hilarious. He fell right on that right on that brand new XD of his. Oh, so, uh, he was slipped in the mud. Yeah, he was trying. He's trying to drag his. He had a fourteen foot low John boat. He's trying to drag it up a a good inclined bank. I mean, it was. Yeah, it's no joke. Yeah, and uh, so to do this, he hooks onto it with his Jeep you know, right. like Jeep Liberty or whatever, and just pulls the thing up. And first thing he does is he gets it ha- almost, almost all the way up. It catches on a little berm, rips the handle right off the front. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he comes walking back down. And as he's walking down, we're standing there talking to him and he just feet go right out from under him. He lands right on that brand spanking new XD, like you said. And just, but he, but he didn't drop a, but, but he didn't drop a cigarette. <laughs> He did not drop a cigarette. He he held that thing strong. It was hilarious. So, yep. So good stuff. I like how we can we like helped him get up over the little hump so he could get the boat up, and we took off. Not nope. Don't want to mm-hmm. be a part of that any more than we have to be. <laughs> yeah. He's walking. He's moving. So, keep moving along ourselves. So yeah. So um, Fish Creek is in a very. It's kind of in a unique spot because it is a dip netting accessible place in a certain times of the year right when there's a good run mm-hmm. and it is how many miles down kg connect goose bay road is it's not very it's not too far it's probably 20 minutes down kgb if that 20 10 minutes 15 i want to yeah. say uh 10 15 it, so I, it's really it's really not that far down it's not like you have to go a long way like if we're going to load up to go to the kenai peninsula to go dip netting i mean we're talking about a four plus hour drive for us we on can traffic. be there in an hour and ish yes yeah, so for us to go to to go to fish creek i mean we were there in what an hour yeah hour hour and ten you could have yeah, a coffee I mean, break there and you'd be on an hour and a half it's not a big deal yeah it was it's not a it's not a very long drive the accessibility mm. as far as your car is it's easy to park like yep i mean well, there was still a parking lot there they got i mean people park on the side of the road yeah there's I mean, all kinds just, of places just stuff everywhere so that also means it's accessible to everybody <laughs> right upside and it's and far enough yeah it's far enough outside of the valley that i don't know I, you can get some interesting folks down there i mean yeah. i've seen people down there that were just very trailer trashy looking like oh oh okay mm-hmm. and then i've 
you know, met some other people like the, the guys we were talking to in this last run who were just awesome dudes. And one guy worked for the department you know, of corrections. I mean, you know, so like very normal, like yeah, I mean, business professionals we sat you know? there and drink, you know, he's gluttonous. He's giving us some, you know, Cokes and yeah. sitting on the riverbank and chatting it up. So, I mean, you get the so wide variety of people down there, mm-hmm. but it does attract the people that can think they can get away with stuff. A certain element, if you so, will. So, yeah. So tell me about this article you sent me. So I was on my break and, okay, so really what it was, I was waiting on hold, trying to get a hold of a local agency to get some stuff done at work. And while you're sitting on hold, you got nothing better to do. So you start surfing and you start looking. And I found an article. It's, it's from the troopers. So it's one of the, so the way the troopers do it, if they go out on a dispatch where they contact somebody and they have a problem, for a lot, for just kind of a general term, where they where they notice a potential violation, they put out like a a notice. Part of it is is to say we're out there we're out there looking. Part of it, I think, is is that they also want to let everybody know that hey, if you are aware of this, just so you know, we'd like to talk to you. But also so that people just generally know that they're actually doing their job. Because for example, I rarely bump into the troopers. I haven't bumped sure. into a yeah. brown shirt in forever. Well, part of that's because a I mind my mind my rules. But two, because there's not very many of them. But with social media, I think they like to put it out there so that people know that, hey, they're around. So other thing about Fish Creek, you have to know, is that it's closed from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. to dip netting. Mm, Yep. That's key to this article. So they went out there and four yahoos, allegedly, because they're being charged, they're not convicted, but I'm going to call them yahoos. Four yahoos decided to set a gill net across the mouth of the fish creek with the idea that they could block it off, get their fish, pull the net before anybody shows up, and skedaddle out. That's kind of the the gist of it. Yeah, because the tide at this point in time is like the high tide. It's like 2 a.m. Yeah, the peak after. So if you set your net, and let's face it, that creek, the high tide's kind of, you know, at midnight you can easily set it low enough right where you can walk across that creek so so they also had a boat involved and i'm not sure exactly how the troopers were informed but there is some private property around there and it is getting dark i was gonna say if you look well if you look at onyx there's houses that go way back down by the mouth right to the point where i've often considered like do you just uh, go knock on someone's door and say hey uh Love to get some permissions to to cut through your back lot there and pop out on the mouth. And how many fish do you want, by the way? <laughs> and oh, by the way, I'll bring you. A, what do you drink? And exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, exactly. So, anyways, I'm sure they were probably using headlamps or something like that, flashing lights around because it has been darker with the rain and the overcast we've been having lately. Just you know, trying Maybe. to see around, see around. But that, or they just noticed people doing something screwy down there. Called the cops. And the cops went down there, chatted them up, and they got a little belligerent was the words that the troopers used. Eventually, they pulled the gear out along with the so it was the net, the tub, and the boat. And then they refused for a while to bring it back to the truck. Finally got everything back. They got charged for none of them had a fishing license. None of them had a dip net card. Mm. There's two fishing poles, a tackle mm. box, and the set net or gill net, whatever you want to call it, all confiscated. Now, the interesting thing is enough, at this point in time, they haven't confiscated uh, any vehicles or anything like that. 
but they could. Mm. Now, the other thing that's also, also this, this opens up because there's still an ongoing investigation. Mm-hmm. They now can say, hey, we have the right to search your freezers mm. and your home for other things related to this, right? So if I start going through and I start looking for things and I find incidentally that you have three different moose in there, I could take and test those and say, did you get these moose legally? I mean, it opens Pandora's box if you're on the illegal side. So I got to wonder if there's not more to this. The the troopers are not dumb. There's a, there's a game afoot. Well, and, and they do it very thoroughly. Yes. So, um, there's that guy who uh, got charged for shooting a, a grizzly down off of uh, uh, down by uh, um, Beluga Point on the Seward mm-hmm. Highway. He was hiking back up in there somewhere. I can't remember the exact spot, but he was hiking down in there, and it was an illegal plate. You can't shoot grizzly bears there. Um, they're you know, and he uh, thought he was in danger, so he shot a grizzly bear. Well, and then he called the troopers, did everything that you would assume he was supposed to do. A year later, the troopers came back and charged him. Mm-hmm. They spent a year investigating this, and they came up with, like, everything that you told us. Like, your story didn't match what we saw up there, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, if your story did match what we saw, you shouldn't have had to shoot the grizzly bear. Mm-hmm. So there's all these things that kind of were throwing into there, and they spent a year putting the case together together against this guy, and then finally charged him for illegally shooting a grizzly bear. Right. So, well, uh, I think a lot of us, a lot of people, will think that you know, fish and game rules and management in Alaska, it's kind of like, well, you know, I'm going to get a ticket now, or I'm done, or there nothing's going to happen, and you don't realize how much they actually put into that, how serious those the brown shirts take that. Well, part of it, too, is it depends on what type of a violation it is. Some of them really are just like, here's a ticket, like a speeding ticket. Sure. Yeah, I was talking yeah. to these, uh, these guys down on the, the river uh, when we were on, on ship or Fish Creek. Sorry, can't dip Ship Creek. You can dip sh- Fish Creek. But it's, a, but it's a lot like dipping. Say that 10 times fast. Yeah, right. I would say, but dipping Fish Creek is a lot like if you were to be able to dip Ship Creek. <laughs> They're very similar creeks. Yeah, it's very similar. Anyway, so uh, he was talking about how, uh, you know, at one point he, uh, uh, and, and I've had this happen too, where we, I was with my dad and we actually was on Fish Creek and we uh, were covered in silt and muck and we decided we were going to just take our cooler fish, walk up to the, the truck, get the rags, clean our hands off, fill out our dip net card, do all that stuff. Well, the trooper came over and talked to us and he said, so you have now left the fishing grounds. The fishing grounds is the direct bank of the river. Once right. you leave the bank of the river, you are a law. You have now left the fishing ground. We got a $75 ticket. No, $200 ticket. Sorry. Right. But that's a basic legally. ticket. So, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like there's those kind of things to your mm-hmm. point. And then, but, you know, that could very easily open up, like you said, Pandora's box into what else are they going at? Yeah, you, I told you about my illegal fishing moment. Yeah. yeah. Dip netting. Last that year. happened last year. Yeah. yeah. Everybody out of yeah. the water. And when I heard that, I went, what? I thought it was. And the trooper just said, just move along. And I just went, you know what? I'll argue with you later. I got on my quad and moved. And then I went and I checked the regs behind him. And I went, no, he's absolutely right. No, he, okay. I was in the wrong. So 95% of the time, 
say 95% of the time they are in the right. <laughs> oh, right. But it was one of those things of my understanding in my head was something else. I just wanted to be sure that I wasn't mm-hmm. making some other mistake. And, but once I just like, if I'd have gotten a ticket, I'd have gone, Oh, well I misunderstood the regulations. I would have accepted it and said, well, it's a dumb on yeah, me, sure. but you know, versus stringing a gill net up across the mouth of a river. <sighs> yeah. I mean, without a fishing license, and without a, mm-hmm. uh, and because you don't have a fishing license, you can't get the dip net card. So there is mm-hmm. a subsistence violation there, and there's a regular sport fishing violation there. They could lose their mm-hmm. rights for like 25 years or something stupid like that. And with that, you lose your rights in, I think, 40. It's like 40 plus 40 states. 40 some odd other, 40 plus states in, in, in the union too. Right. Because we're part of that so, compact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got. I mean, when you're dealing with hunting and fishing rights, you have to be careful. I mean, so if you lose your fishing yep. rights in New Jersey or your hunting rights in New Jersey, I don't think you're missing much. But other states, you're missing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, I don't remember what it was. They're talking about black bears, and oh, I was talking to a friend, a coworker, and she was saying that they were down in Girdwood and saw a black bear crossing a trail. Sure. And so they kind of backtracked a little bit and hooked up with another set of hikers and they were talking to them. And these people were from uh, like the New York state mm-hmm. and how, you know, w- one of the people from Alaska had a firearm on sidearm mom, like you would normally do. And they were kind of like taken aback by this thing and like, Oh, he's got a gun. I'm like, yeah, you live in the state with a, one of the highest population of black bears per capita. But again, I guess it's because they're not allowed to hunt them. So, I mean, no kidding. They have the highest, but you assume <laughs> that they would kind of be used to like dealing with black bears and how you deal with black bears, but they were all kind of put off by it. And like, hmm, but you know, whatever. black, but black bears, in, particularly black bears, you can usually make yourself look big and yell at them and they'll run away, particularly in the lower 48. Like mm, they're true. not, they're, they're not as aggressive as they can be. Like the Browns up here can get pretty aggressive and they can get pretty and that's what's aggressive is they get more curious and then they can get aggressive, particularly the young ones. Yeah. Cause sometimes but I don't, the curiosity, I, a, a curiousness for a grizzly bear is, can very easily be mistaken as aggression. Well, and the other thing is too, is that it could easily go, huh, you smell like bacon and I like bacon. And some of us, you know, well, so I saw get, a, a documentary. Point. Well, I saw a documentary where these guys took, uh, they went out, I forget where it was, but you know, here in Alaska, and they went out into bear country, into places where people don't normally camp, mm-hmm. and they set up a camp, and they put everything out, and they put a, you know, a, a human analog dummy in the, the tent, and everything was buttoned up for the night, and every time the dummy was, you know, killed, where they had, you know, sensors on it that, you know, said sustained this oh, sure, much sure, damage right. and all kind of stuff right so they could kind of monitor the the, the injuries to the dummy mm-hmm. every time the dummy was killed it was not the bear trying to eat the person it was the bear trying to see what the person was hmm. interesting so and that's where i said like curiosity can be very easily mistaken for as aggression with big black with big brown bears because you know, one of the things I remember is this bear, and it wasn't that big. I'm gonna say it's probably a six foot bear. It uh, it walked up to this tent. It stood up on its hind legs, reached up to the peak of the tent, 
grabbed it and drug the thing off into the woods. Hmm. Just totally wants to know what this is. And then he ripped the tents open, you know, the tent all folds down. He starts digging through it to try and see what's in this thing and what all this thing is. Once he finds the analog, the human analog, he literally starts jumping up and down on it with his front feet. And then he'd sniff at it, kind of claw at it a little bit, and then jump a little more like he was trying to break it open to see what's on the inside. Like they do with a log or something like that. Yep. But so you think about a human that would, you know, a big bear landing on you doing CPR. I mean, I've seen some gorillas in the ice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, that does sometimes doesn't end well mm. because we could be a little gorilla ish. Sure. Exactly. But, or humans. You know, you, you put a, you put a six foot bear <laughs> on somebody jumping up and down on your chest trying to see what's inside of you. You're not going to fare very well. You know, and then they'll do things like they'll kind of mouth your head and mouth your, you just kind of doing the, I mean, think about a puppy. Right. Same kind of thing. You get a puppy and, they're just kind of mouthing on it just to see what things are and feel it. They're not trying to eat you. They're not trying to bite you. But when you got a bear that can fit your head in its mouth, it's it going to do more damage. Well, the other thing too is that it, it thinks it's gumming you. It's just like the, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like a, it's a lot like my brother-in-law, Sean, who is autistic and MRDD. He doesn't under, he has a mm-hmm. mentality of a five-year-old. He thinks he's playing but he has the strength and the size of a six foot two Mm. man. And so he thinks he's not swinging hard because he's just having fun play boxing. Meanwhile, he's like taking swings that you and I'd go, Oh, that hurts dude. Like, no, (laughs) you know what I mean? So it's, yep. Mm. Same kind of Mm. thing with a bear. Like they don't really understand their size versus our size and what we can, you know, they're just figuring it out. They're not trying to do damage. Yeah. This, that kind of goes back to most of the time in Alaska you deal with bears. It's not the fatal ones aren't I'm hunting you. It's what are you or, <laughs> or I surprised you and came upon you without knowing it, And do they just react in a, a defense way? Right. Or you get in between cubs. So, but that was a, I have to find that documentary for you and send it to you. Cause it was a really cool perspective. They had like this bulletproof glass, box that they stuck out there in the middle of nowhere oh sure right cameras in right and yeah at one point one of the the researchers climbed in it and the bear was rolling this thing around out there trying to figure out what is in this this interesting glass box so Hmm. yeah it was a pretty cool pretty cool thing to watch so but yeah but man Hmm. we kind of did the gauntlet on this one didn't we yeah we kind of we didn't really have a um focus today did we we kind of started with covid and that let us down dude bear baiting and cat hunting huh. and pigs and right right God, man i think I, it's just it's just one of those weeks where just my i'm just so fried from all the just everything changing and ups and downs and okay we're doing this no never mind now we're doing this to uh, yeah so Right, and even one of the emails you guys put out for all of us, I kind of go, now looking back at the time, it was a good email, right? Because we're going to have a big meeting in the in the church. And mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was planned to be Zoom anyways at Baseline, but we, we want this big meeting. Really cool idea, and I'm still on board with it. But now it's kind of like, well, and the Muni kind of changed all your plans. Like, I know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, maybe not all your plans, but like, kind of forced your hand on some stuff and it's like so i kind of go oh well this might be a shorter meeting than we had planned 
No, nah, it'll be the same meeting. It'll just be <coughs> the timeline of the the timeline of the after of it is going right. to be right. moved up dramatically. So things yeah. are just changed on. I'm sure just it's like you know you plan for A and we're getting Zeta Zeta right. <laughs> yeah, it's just you feel like constantly the carpet's being yanked out from under your feet. It's just uh, I think I think yeah. that's that's a good analogy, Brandon. What I think I'm feeling, and I know a lot of my coworkers at work are feeling, is that you feel like you're constantly being jerked around, whether it be the carpet under your feet to you feel like you're in a, like a, you're in like this, like an MMA fight where you're just kind of getting pummeled from all different directions and you're still kind of on top and Mm. they call the round and you kind of get this moment to go, okay, they kind of patch things back up and then they throw Mm. you back in and you're just kind of, you're feeling beat up and drained. And I, I think that's where we're kind of, that's what I'm feeling about COVID. I would I would assume most of Alaska is feeling that and probably I would assume most of the nation is feeling that you know just mm-hmm. not really sure what's going on and you know there's some leaders out there that are addressing things very well and feel like I feel like you can follow very well and then there's some leaders out here and whether it's government whether it's private sector whether it's whatever are just kind of feeling like they're bouncing from thing to thing and and don't really know what's going on. And I will argue, I, I think I made this argument the other day, even the leaders that feel like they can kind of are handling it well, don't know what's going on. They right. And know how to lead. well. And I think the other thing that's going on with all of this too, is that this went from a pandemic, a little more science-based where it was a science issue and a pandemic issue that now as it's morphed and we've dealt with it for a length of time, it's become more of a political issue Anytime you get po- mm. politics involved and it's an election year and uh, mm. ugh, yeah. Mm. And so it's like, it, because you bring up coronavirus and you want to have an honest conversation about the virus, it's now a automatic charge subject, whether you agree or disagree with whether Trump's handling it or Fauci's handling it or you get my point. No. Yeah. That's, and I think that's part of it. And that's that, you know, you feel like you get a little bit of balance and all of a sudden that carpet comes yanking out from underneath you and you're stumbling again and just, you just, you can't get a solid footing and direction. Mm-hmm. So, yep. But, and, uh, and uh, fortunately we have a governor that is very pro outdoor, very pro hunter. Um, and Fisher. Yeah, Hunter Fisher, sure. I'll lump those in. Pro outdoorsman. Let's throw that one in there. To the point where he even, like, there was a lower return on the Copper River this year. So the escapement numbers weren't quite there. And he actually told the state of the state and the feds, the feds that we're going to keep the dip netting open for another week and mm-hmm. let people go down and, A, get some outside, let them, you know, be mm-hmm. out in the outdoors. Two, let them get some fish for the freezer. Right. So. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely on board with with sportsmen in Alaska. So, which is a plus. It's a plus, and it's nice to know that he thinks about not just the ramifications of just the virus, but also like the thoughts of people are out of work and or maybe mm. food is becoming tighter for folks because they're less work or they're worried about their work, so they want to do these sustainability things. And so they're out there fishing and hunting mm. and having those opportunities. And much of the Copper River is guided uh, boat trips. It's not like you just go to the Kenai and dip. You have to have a boat to get mm. on there. And those are guys. So that's another business that he's trying to support. So there's, it's not just a, yep. 
gee, I want people to get fish in the freezer, but there's a lot of other little thin, nuancey things that you start piecing together. And you kind of go, Ooh, Ooh, that's, well, it's not bad. You know? Mm. Yep. No, I'm uh, he's been doing great. I've been impressed with his leadership through this. So yeah. Anyway, I think we're kind of wrapping this one up. Yeah, we so. should because, uh, yeah. We got lots of things planned coming up this week. I'm working 10 hour shifts this week. So I get an extra day off. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, and that, uh, what day is that? Uh, so this is the way this all went down at work. So my coworker comes up to me and goes, Hey Dave, I know you've been you know, working on trying to get in the tens and it's a long story. And she goes, so next week we need to cover Kim and it's going to take you some extra time in the office. So you're going to do tens. And I was trying to figure out which day to give you off during the week. So I was figuring we'd just give you Friday and give you a three-day weekend, if that's okay with you. <laughs> and I went, I suppose. I'm like, I'll, you know what? I'll jump on that hand grenade. I'll take one for the team. Thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, right working on, Monday right through Thursday. So. I like it. Cool, man. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this one up. So, as always, uh, hit us up on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. Shoot us an email if you have any questions or messages, whatever you want to do there. And uh, whatever platform you listen to this on, whether it's uh, iTunes or Google Podcasts or iHeartRadio or whatever that is, go on there and uh, give us a, a, a good five-star rating just so uh, let the, the platforms know that you're enjoying what you're listening to. Or if you don't like it, whatever, just give us a good five-star and keep doing this. So. Right on. All right, man. Till next time. Till next time.